Well, it is the first week of December, and I've not bought one single Christmas gift yet. And some of you just got a cold chill, like, you should start in July. No, you're weird. Now, I'll admit, giving gifts is not my gift. It's, I'm not that good at it, and I can prove it. <clears throat> my wife's 30th birthday party. Uh, I, 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 I was actually scheduled to be out of town speaking on her 30th birthday, with her permission. <clears throat> and so I gave her her gift early. She said she wanted it, so I got it. A garbage disposal. No, it's worse than that. I didn't even wrap it, nor did I install it. I just set it down in the kitchen and there it was. Now, some of you are judging me right now, but you need to know what she didn't know, that while I was out of town speaking, I had arranged a surprise birthday party for her. I called her boss at work, she worked at Cloth World, and I said, hey, she's working on her birthday because I'm out of town, could you send her to Linda's house? But Linda was a friend of ours, did a lot of sewing, and so her boss said, hey, you need to take this to Linda, and she gets to Linda's house, and there's her friends, and I instructed them the only gift they were allowed to bring is something edible from chocolate. So we called it the chocolate consolation party for turning 30. See, it's not that bad, right? It's not that bad. <clears throat> But the sad thing is, that's as good as it gets for me. Like every gift like is downhill from there. So I'm, I'm not the guy that's the great gift giver, but I think a lot of you dads will understand this. I'm not great at gifts on special occasions, but I'm good every day at providing for my family. And a lot of times dads do behind the scenes what is often unrecognized and underappreciated, like car maintenance or house maintenance, or taxes, or 401ks, or maybe some of you guys can relate to this, who eats the heels of the loaf of bread? <laughs> like we don't make a big deal out of it, it's just okay, no one else is gonna eat this, so I don't care, I'm gonna eat this. Dads do all kinds of things that we don't recognize. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because when we enter this Christmas season, think about gift giving, and conclude our series on 276. The, the 276 times that God is called Father in the Bible, sometimes we ask God for special things. God, give me this, I need this now, or I want that now. And God has been good every single day. And if he doesn't give us what we want on a special occasion, we say, well, you're not a good father. No, he is good day in, day out, decade over decade for millennia. And I, I just think it'd be appropriate for us as a church to take some time at the Christmas season to think through the goodness of God that is relentless and perpetual. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in, God in the New Testament, verse 17 of James 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God doesn't change. He is good all the time. And I just want to point out a couple of things that God does for us all the time. He provides for us affirmation, which is a huge, huge, huge need. And he provides for us for our physical needs all the time. And in order to like highlight who our heavenly father is, I want to compare him to an earthly father. Because, and this is important. I believe that earthly fathers 
are a shadow of the Heavenly Father. And the reason that God gave us dads is not so that dads could provide everything we need, because we can't, we won't, but so that dads can illustrate what a good father looks like and then point our kids to the perfect Heavenly Father. And if we do that, dads, we have done our job. And a lot of the things that dads do are just kind of taken for granted. For example, here's a simple one. An advantage to fathers is how fathers roughhouse appropriately with their kids. You know, you tumble on the floor, you, you let a three-year-old act like he's pinned you to the ground, and you know you could squash them, but you don't. And this is, this is so important, actually, for little boys to see a father that doesn't use all his strength, because that sets a precedent for a boy that later in life, boys that have roughed house with their father have more control of their bodies sexually emotionally and physically. It's just one of those hidden gifts. Here's another thing about roughhousing that some, it drives some of you ladies crazy because we'll take a child and throw them like 15 feet in the air. And you're going, that's not safe, stop that. But actually, science is on our side because there's something happens in the inner ear of a child through all of that rough and tumble play that creates greater equilibrium and balance for the rest of the child's life. And not just physically, emotionally, and, and uh, like socially as well. Here's another hidden advantage. Often, not always, often dads are the tough disciplinarians. I mean, how many of you have heard, wait till your father gets home? When fathers set firm boundaries, children feel safe within those boundaries. And you can just see it with two-year-olds. We call it terrible twos. They're not terrible at all. It's very logical what your child is doing. They're pushing against every boundary to see how secure the boundary is. I know it drives you crazy, but a two-year-old needs to know the boundaries are secure because if the boundaries are secure, then a child can be secure within those boundaries. There's all kind of things that we now know fathers do, and it's so it seems like such a shame to me that we're in a culture that it is permissible to bash men. This is about the only people that is safe to bash is men. And yet the more we learn about fathers, the more important they become. Your children, if they have a father in the home, are twice as likely to go to college and get a good paying job. 45% more likely to get straight A's. Children with a father in the home have better motor skills and, this is surprising, better verbal skills as well. And we know that women tend to be better with verbal skills than men. But by having a man in the house who communicates differently, it widens the repertoire of your children's ability to communicate. It gives children more self-confidence when there's a father in the home. And what I read, it just blew my mind. When there's a father in the home of an infant, the infant breastfeeds better and gains weight quicker. Isn't that amazing? Like dads are critically important. And when they're absent, we feel their absence. In fact, the greatest deficit of our country is not an economic crisis, it's not a social crisis, it's not a political crisis or even a medical crisis. The greatest crisis in America, my opinion, is fatherless homes. 
And the stats are staggering. Fatherless homes account for 63% of youth suicides, 71% of teen pregnancies, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of teens in drug treatment centers are from fatherless homes, 90% of runaways and homeless are from fatherless homes, and 85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. And I know that some of these stats, especially if you're a single mom, are really difficult to hear. But please hear me say this. This is not a criticism of you. And you may be beating yourself up right now saying, man, what have I done to my kids? No, 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 no. This is not a guilt trip for you. In fact, most of the guilt you're feeling is you beating yourself up more than you should. Our opinion of single moms, you're heroes because you're holding down the fort all by yourself. You're being the disciplinarian and the comforter. You're forcing them to do their homework and their chores, but also providing allowance and meals. What you're doing is extraordinary. Don't hear us say anything else. And there's actually good news in this, because if an earthly father is a shadow of the heavenly father, then if your kids don't have a father in the home, you can point them to the heavenly father. It will be more difficult without a good father. Some of you know that. Without a good father, it's more difficult to change your allegiance and change your dependence over to a heavenly father. It just is. It's more difficult, but it's not impossible. And I want you single moms and single dads to know we support you and love you here. In fact, that's why we honor so much men in our church who serve in the children's areas. Our kids' ministry is full of dudes that come in, and I, I, I see you dudes in there. It's like, it may not be your jam, but just your presence in the room gives a settling effect, and we honor you for that. So for you moms and dads out there that are struggling on your own, that's why it's so important for you to bring your kids and have them part of our, our kids' ministry, and we would love for you to do that. So what I wanna do Given the importance of um, fathers leading to the heavenly father, I just want to highlight a couple of things that our father God does for us. And I want to lean into a passage uh, that was spoken by Jesus. It's in the second half of the Bible, which is the New Testament. It's the very first book in the New Testament. It's called Matthew because Matthew's the guy that wrote it. He's hearing Jesus preach and he just starts writing down his sermons. And one of the sermons he wrote down, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, turned out to be the most significant speech ever given in all of human history. It also is the greatest collection of these 276 verses where God is called Father. Per square inch, there's more Father talk in Matthew 5, 6, 7 than anywhere else in the Bible. 17 times in three short chapters, Jesus calls God Father, 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 Father. And here in chapter six, right in the middle, I consider this the greatest psychological counsel ever given by any psychologist. Like Sigmund Freud never came close to anything this brilliant. And what Jesus is going to say is two things. Your heavenly father provides affirmation and your heavenly father provides physical needs. Let's start with this. Your heavenly father provides affirmation. Now, we, we all need affirmation. Not a want, 
not a desire, it's a need. And even when I say it, I feel like, well, that sounds kind of needy. Approve me, approve me, approve Like, I get it. It can go bad really quick. But your desire for affirmation is not a want. It is, in fact, a need. And you're going to get it from somewhere. The question is, where are you going to get affirmation? Because if you get affirmation from the right places, it can result in some really positive things. Athletes win championships because of the drive for affirmation. Businessmen build economies because of the drive for affirmation. Mothers sacrifice for their children because of the need and drive for affirmation. And on and on it goes. Many of the greatest things in our world are because we're trying to get affirmation, and if it's in appropriate ways, it's magnificent. But if it's inappropriate, any of you ever raise a teenager? You know, if your son gets around some goofy dudes that are just hooligans, his need for their affirmation can lead him to really tragic decisions. Or you have a daughter and there's a boy. It can lead to some tragic consequences. But when you get your affirmation from the right place, it leads to all kinds of positive things. So Jesus' advice is really simple. Chapter six, verse one, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So here's your choice. You can either get your affirmation from people around you, which honestly is really difficult because everyone else wants to be affirmed. They don't want to give affirmation to you. So it's difficult to get, and it's really short-lived. Or, or you can get your affirmation from your Father in heaven who is already crazy nuts about you. That's easy, and it lasts, well, forever. So Jesus then, throughout the chapter, gives three illustrations of getting affirmation from the Father. The, the illustrations are in how you give your money, generosity, in how you pray, and how you fast. Here's what it says. I'm gonna read them right in a row. You tell me what the golden thread is through them all. Verse three. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 17, fasting. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If we can learn to get our affirmation from our heavenly father, not from the people around you, but from your father above you, it will change your life. Because here's the rule. Wherever you get your affirmation from, that person will determine the direction of your life. If it's a lover, they determine your direction. If it's a bottle, it determines your direction. If it's a job, that determines the direction of your life. But if it's your father, then your father in heaven will determine the direction of your life. Now, I wanna take just a moment and talk to you dads. Because whether you realize it or not, you have incredible power over your children. Now, now moms, moms can communicate 
unrelenting, like selfless love. And everybody knows, my mom, if nobody else loves me, my mama loves me, mama's love, like there's no ugly babies for a mother. But dads, you have your children's self-esteem in the palm of your hand. And whatever you tell your son to believe about himself, he will. If you tell him, son, you're smart, you're honorable, you're intelligent, your son will believe that about himself. And the number one thing that a son needs to hear his dad say, and he needs to hear it a lot, is I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And when does he age out? When you die. There is not an age at which a son says, well, I don't need to hear my dad say I'm proud of you anymore. If you don't say that to your son, he needs to be affirmed. And so he's gonna seek it from other people. And typically, a young man who needs to be affirmed will go to other stupid boys and do stupid things, and he will hear them say, oh, dude, you're so cool. But he won't believe them because he knows they're fools. If you have a daughter, the number one thing that she needs to know is that she is worth fighting for. She needs to know she's your princess and that you adore her and that you would risk your life for her. You need to tell your daughter she is so beautiful that you would fight for her. And if you don't, she needs to hear it. And she's gonna go to a string of stupid boys and do foolish things to hear them say, you're beautiful, I love you, you're my princess. But she won't believe any of them because she knows they're fools. Dads, your children's self-esteem is in the palm of your hand. What you say to them will speak life into them. For your children, your words create their world. We see this in our Heavenly Father, that if we can get our affirmation from Him, that will change everything around us. So we know that your Heavenly Father provides for your affirmation. Second thing is your Heavenly Father provides for your needs, specifically your physical needs. And this, this is the famous passage where Jesus said, I love this, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Look, are you not much more valuable than a bird? And then look at the flowers of the field. They don't sow or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. I've walked the fields of Israel in the spring. It is breathtaking. And yet these flowers are here today and gone tomorrow. If that's the way God cares for the grass of the field, how much more do you think he will care for you? And it's even more ridiculous for us to worry about food and clothes because honestly, most of us ate way too much at Thanksgiving. We need to lose weight, not gain food. And to close in your closet, look, if you get one more sweater for Christmas, you're gonna have to give something up out of your closet, right? 
We have so much, and yet we still worry about food and clothes, 401ks and IRAs. It's ridiculous. It is like if you were the parent, you might understand this, you say to a child, hey, you're turning 16, I'm gonna get you a car. And you come and you get them a Honda Civic. And they look at the Civic and they go, I wanted a Tesla. <laughs> what we do to God is like we don't recognize. We, we want those special occasion gifts, but we don't recognize what he does for us day in, day out, year over year. And Jesus predicted that we were going to act like this. And he gave a warning 2,000 years ago. See if this doesn't fit us today. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows everything that you need and is ready as your heavenly Father to provide for those needs. In fact, there are several physical needs that we have that we don't even know that we have. And God is ready to provide for those. I'm just gonna tick off three of them, okay? Here's one, guidance. We need guidance. Some of you right now are in the middle of a relational confusion and you don't know how to deal with a separation or you don't know how to deal with an ex or maybe you're dating someone, or is this the one? Or maybe it's in your work life. Should I, should I quit? Is now the right time to quit? Is now the right time to take a promotion? Is now the right time to get a different spot on the team? And there's just these questions that you have, guidance. The kind of things that you would go to an earthly father for, hey dad, can you give me some counsel here? Because like dads, they just know stuff. You know what I mean? Like they, they know how to pitch a tent and swing a hammer and change oil in a car. Now not every dad knows that, but dads just know stuff. And you go to dad and say, hey dad, uh, I got my first job and there's these things called taxes. Like what, how, when, your heavenly father is ready to give you guidance. And in this sermon, Jesus made a statement, it's kind of a blank check statement. Ask anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. Ask, seek, knock, door will be opened. And that's not the only time in this sermon. Actually, there are nine different times that Jesus gave us a blank check in prayer. And if you're on the CCV mobile app, there's kind of an Easter egg in there for you guys on the mobile app, all nine times are listed right there. So for you Bible nerds like me, you're gonna love that. You could look them up and see everywhere Jesus just said, ask whatever. Now we need to ask in his name. We need to ask in faith. We need to ask according to God's will. Like if you're a parent, you realize kids can ask for some dumb things and the answer is always no. But when you ask in God's will, when you ask with faith, the answer will be yes. God is offering you this wisdom. So of those nine, I wanna to read to you my favorite promise in prayer. It comes from Luke, and it shows you just how God will provide for you. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? <laughs> That'd be a terrible trick, wouldn't it? Funny, but not right. And then only people in uh, the valley can understand this next verse. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. That's just not right. If you then, though you are evil, and I think Jesus snickered, winked, or nodded at this point. It's like, though you're evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We talked about this last week, that when you put your faith in Jesus, the Father puts his Spirit in you, and that Spirit in you provides the guidance you need to walk alongside you through life. God provides guidance. Here's another thing. God provides protection. When I was first married, I was stunned by how easily I could lay down my life for my wife. Now, decades later, I wouldn't blink an eye to step in front of a bullet for my wife. It's not, not even a question. But when I had kids, I was stunned, not by how easily I could lay down my life for them, but by how easily I could take a life to protect them. Anyone with me? Like, if you attack me, it's not a big deal. It's like, that's okay. I probably deserve it, honestly. You attack my wife, not okay. Even if she does deserve it, not okay. You attack my kids, I'm going to lose my witness. Dads, you understand this vicious protection of your children. Do you know that God feels just the same about you? In fact, there was a, a day when Jesus was having a debate with the religious leaders. And these leaders are trying to pull Jesus' disciples away from him. And he just, like, he lost it. Listen to what Jesus says. This is a threat. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And it's one of these moments. Like, you want some of this? Like, over my dead body. In fact, even over my dead body, I'm still gonna hold on to him. That only Jesus can say that, I suppose. The next verse, this is beautiful. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And your God right now is viciously protective of you. Nobody, not a demon, not an enemy, not a pagan, nobody can snatch you out of his hand because he's your dad. I've got one more thing I want to share with you about what God does for us. But before I do, I want to pause and offer you a challenge for the sermon. And this really comes out of last week's sermon. A couple of people sent me a text that they had sent to their earthly father. And it was so beautiful, I thought, what a great idea. And basically, both texts, they didn't even know each other, both texts said, Dad, thank you for being a good father. Because you're a good father, I was able to transfer my allegiance to my heavenly father, and that's made all the difference in the world. I want you to do that. Like Everybody on all campuses, you're watching online, write a text to your earthly father to thank them for things that maybe you've overlooked for a long time. Because dads do a lot of things in the shadows that are easy to overlook and underappreciate. For some of you, this is gonna be easy. Dad, you're a great dad. For others of you, it's gonna be hard because you're gonna to have to sit for a while to think about even one or two things that your father did for you that were positive. But the magic of this challenge is not 
the text sent to your dad. I mean, that's good. But then I want you to take that text and pray it to your heavenly father so that you can practice shifting your dependence from an earthly father for affirmation and for physical needs to a heavenly father for affirmation and for physical needs. And for some of you, you can't do it. You didn't even know your father. Or, or the only thing you knew of your father was pain and abuse. And you cannot think of one good thing to say to him. I'm so sorry. But the second half of this challenge is even more important for you. It, it'll be more difficult, it will. But more important because of all people who need to know their heavenly father are those who had a bad earthly father. And the beauty of it is, though it's hard, once you shift your dependence from an earthly father to a heavenly father, your affirmation needs will be met. Your physical needs will be met. And the greatest need of all that your father wants to provide is forgiveness. If part of this message struck you, maybe as a single mom or a single dad, and you think, I've made some mistakes. We, look, we all have. But part of what the Father provides is forgiveness beyond all those mistakes. And it's found in one of the most famous titles of God. It's clear back in the first book of the Bible, Jehovah Jireh. It's a title for God. It means the Lord provides. This title is found in a story of Abraham, the great father of the faith, when in his old age, God had given him a son. And then God said, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And he took Isaac with a bundle of wood and they began walking up Mount Moriah and his son asked him, Dad, I, I see the wood for the sacrifice. I see the knife in your hand, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. On the top of the mountain, he built an altar. He laid out the wood. And then he laid his son on the altar. As he raised the knife, ready to plunge it into his sternum, staring into his son's eyes, he heard the voice, Abraham, Abraham, look in the thicket. And there was a ram caught in the thicket to replace the sacrifice that Abraham was to offer for his sins. And that's why Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. That word Jireh, translated as provides, is normally translated as sees. The Lord sees you. That's why he provides for you. Single moms, he sees you. In your loneliness, in your confusion, in your struggle, he sees you. Dads, you're separated from your kids, he sees you. He sees you when you're raising that special needs child and all the struggle that is, he sees you. For those of you caring for aging parents, he sees you and he will provide for you. In every struggle and in every moment, the Lord sees you. That's no question. The question is, do you see your father?